0: Hello and welcome. These are some sermons given by Monsignor Rosito from the years 1995 to the year 2016. Enjoy. Today is Quinque Sunday, Sunday, and the epistle is taken from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Brethren, if I should speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have charity, I become a sounding brass or a tingling cymbal. And if I have prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, yet do not have charity, I am nothing. And if I distribute all my goods to feed the poor, and if I deliver my body to be burned, yet do not have charity, it profits me nothing. Charity is patient, is kind. Charity does not envy is not pretentious, is not puffed up, is not ambitious, is not self-seeking, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice over evil or wickedness, but rejoices with the truth, bears with all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Charity never fails, whereas prophecies will disappear and tongues will cease. And knowledge will be destroyed. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, that which is imperfect will be done away with. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I felt as a child. I thought as a child. Now that I have become a man, I have put away the things of a child. We see now through a mirror in an obscure manner but then face to face, now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I have been known. So there abide faith, hope, and charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. And the Holy Gospel is taken from the Gospel according to St. Luke, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. (coughs) At that time Jesus, taking to himself the Twelve, said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that have been written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished, for he will be delivered to the Gentiles, and will be mocked and scourged and spit upon. And after they have scourged him, they will put him to death, and on the third day he will rise again and they understood none of these things and this saying was hidden from them and neither did they get to know the things that were being said now it came to pass as he drew near to Jericho that a certain blind man was sitting by the wayside begging but hearing a crowd passing by he inquired what this might be and they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by and he cried out saying Jesus son of David have mercy on me and they who went in front angrily tried to silence him. But he cried out all the louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. Then Jesus stopped and commanded that he should be brought to him. And when he drew near, he asked him, saying, What wouldst thou have me do for thee? And he said, Lord, that I may see. And Jesus said to him, Receive thy sight. Thy faith has saved thee. And at once he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God, And all the people, upon seeing it, gave praise to God. So far are the words of this day's holy gospel. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, that which is imperfect will be done away with. These are words taken from the epistle of today's Holy Mass in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear friends in Christ, without light there is no reflection. (coughs) All the gleaming surfaces of a kitchen or a bathroom that reflect the light disappear when the light is turned off. In the same way, the life of God is the light that we reflect when we are open to God. If God is gone, like darkness, everything descends into an oblivion. We cannot do the works of God without God. We can perform the works of men, reason, uprightness, virtue, but it's only a natural goodness that has its own dim light. So when St. Paul says, We know now only in part, But when that which is imperfect is done away with, we will know even as we are known. So we have faith, hope, and charity, these three. But faith and hope in eternity will be done away with. No need to believe because we will see, we will experience, not by faith, but by our own individual reactions. the the life of God, the face of God will be directly seen. So there's no need for faith. In hope, we will have achieved our goal and hope is no longer necessary when we possess that which we have sought in hope during our lifetime. But charity, that continues because it is God. It is the light of God. It is the life of God and we will be in that light of God reflecting him for all eternity. And that charity will remain. Now we've been talking about the first commandment and the three supernatural virtues of faith, hope, and charity. We call them supernatural because they directly unite us with God. To believe in God, to hope, and to love God. With a supernatural kind of love. With that kind of light that reflects God in the goodness of our virtue with faith, hope, and charity, guiding us beyond reason, in line with reason, but by faith, hope, and charity. And so, when you go into the bathroom and you look into the mirror, you don't look just to look, but you look to put on your makeup or to shave correctly so that you will not miss any part of your beard. So, it's a purpose that is to be activated. You don't look just to look, but to accomplish something. So, We have faith, but it leads us to charity, to accomplish something. We do the works of charity. Any man who, St. Paul says, who looks at himself in the mirror and then walks away and forgets what he saw, it's of no use to him. But we look to see in order that we may do. And it's this doing that is the charity that manifests itself in the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. So we have then to reflect god not just in our faith but in our charity in our living of this faith in the actions that we perform with faith hope and charity and this is the life of god that grows and develops so while you're baptized you don't stay as a child but you continue to mature and grow not only physically and mentally but supernaturally as well and so we add to this treasury of merits that will be ours as we grow to a fullness of stature in the image and likeness of Christ or with the union of Christ, and to that degree then we receive that eternal inheritance to the degree of that maturity. So how old will you be when the resurrection of the body comes? Probably to the degree of your maturity. Some will be infants, some will be children, some will be adults or teenagers or very mature, wise, the best and the greatest of the saints, for example. So, uh While we study these things in the first commandment and we'll conclude the first commandment today. We have been studying also the things that are going (coughs) to diminish these virtues of faith, hope, and charity. The sins against faith we've already taken today. The sins against hope and charity. Now, while you have the light, if the mirror is clouded, dirty, dingy, you cannot see too well. There is some reflection... But it's layered over by human imperfections or maybe even sins, venial sins. There's mortal sin, the light is even extinguished. So while we do have faith, like the man in the gospel, he uh, heard, he could not see, but he could hear. And then that led him, Jesus, asking him for what? For sight, to see. And because thou hast believed, yes, you will be granted eyesight. Now the apostles have been told that they must go down to Jerusalem, and our Lord told them almost in detail what was going to happen to him. They did not understand. They heard, and they could see Jesus, but they did not grasp. Their minds were covered over. They did not have this sight. And so we see the image of this blind man receiving sight, and the apostles who had sight could not understand what our Lord was saying. And so it is with us. We may have these virtues, but they're diminished or they're limited. We need to increase them. So during Lent, we try then to prepare ourselves to grow in faith, hope, and charity, but above all, charity. But we need the faith, and we certainly have to have the drive of hope to achieve the works of charity. And he goes on to say what charity is. It's kind, it's patient, it's long-suffering, it's generous. It's all these things we see in Christ that he teaches us through his uh, counsels, through his commandments, his parables. And we hear them, but do we understand them? Do we put them into practice? And that's what we must reflect upon then as we go through, life, not to be sitting as spectators idly, but to be involved. We go down into the arena, we go on the stage, we become the active participants, not the passive spectators and being Catholics, looking on and doing nothing. So we must then put this life of Christ into action and to grow, so that we're no longer children, but we put away the things of childhood to grow to the maturity of deeper sight, greater sight, more effective sight and activity in a growth of our spiritual development. Now today we are going to talk about the sins against hope and charity. Against hope there are two sins. And they're very broad, as a matter of fact. They're limited, but very all-embracing. What are the sins against hope? The sins against hope are presumption and despair. When does a person sin by presumption? A person sins by presumption when he trusts that he can be saved by his own efforts without God's help or by God's help without his own efforts. Two situations. Now a proud man says, I don't need God. I don't need the helps of God. I don't need the church. I don't need the Bible. I can save my own self. I remember a young companion, a young boy, who was a neighbor of mine in, in Pennsylvania, and he was sickly. But he took steps to improve his health. And when he grew into teenage years, what he had been afflicted with was gone. He overcame it. And he said, God didn't help me. I helped myself. And it was quite a stunning statement to hear from a Catholic young boy who didn't understand what God had done for him and took all the credit because he watched his diet and he exercised and he avoided this and he did that to regain that health and in spite of it, God blessed him, although he was not given the acknowledgement or appreciation. I hope he grew up and looked back to see how foolish youth can be and to revise his uh, assessment of how much God really did help him, though he didn't know, though he was blind to this reality. Uh, He was guilty to the degree that he should have known or didn't know of presumption. And that he could help himself and didn't need God. Now, there are masons who are good people, who are ignorant, who are blind, in other words. They think that they can save themselves by their own goodness. They become humanitarians. They join service clubs. They put themselves out for others. They don't expect a reward or return, but they do it without Christ. Now, this is good to a certain degree, but there is no supernatural value in it. And this is what we must understand about ourselves. If we do things only on our own power, by our own efforts, then we're humanitarian and we have a goodness only to a limited degree. But when we do it for the love of God, the first commandment, and we activate it by charity, then it is sanctified. These same actions are elevated. And this is what we must understand we live in two worlds but the most important is the supernatural world that we live by faith hope, and charity and practice our Catholic faith in that activity of God's love reflecting that light of God not turning it off by sin or not dinging it, dulling it by the weaknesses of human frailty and uh, venial sins and imperfections but to keep it polished and clean all the time so that that light of God can come through more fully and enlighten us so that we can see to do the things that we see. Um, Then we have those who say, well, God's going to do it all. I say my prayers and I wait for God to act. And if I said my prayers, certainly he's going to hear my prayers. And that's a sin of presumption also, that we let God do all the work. We pray as if everything depends upon God, while we work as if everything depends upon us. So that gives you full-time employment. And you don't avoid praying because you can do it yourself, and you don't give all the work to God because he's going to take care of you. So we need that balance to turn to God, but also to use the gifts he's given you. So if he's given you a brain and an intelligence, then use it don't say think for me lord or don't whisper in my ear what i'm supposed to do but let me with reason guided by faith make decisions and determinations and the clearer the faith the stronger the hope the more perfect the charity will be in action with reason guided by faith so we have a lot of growing to do we're already infants if not children to progress in our spiritual lives to a maturity and a fullness. That we think with the mind of Christ. That we speak with the lips of Christ. That we act with the hands of Christ. He needs our hands, but we need him in return just as much. And so, without God we can do nothing. Or we can accomplish things within human limitations, but it's very small compared to what God can do through us by his divine powers. And this is what we want to tell you. You have the accessibility of the arsenal of heaven. (coughs) And we're doing battle with evil spirits. Believe it or not, they do exist and they do operate quietly, secretly, hiddenly, but effectively. And they take away faith and they take away hope and they take away charity. And it's stolen in such a subtle way by by seductions of one kind or another that we don't even realize we're being robbed. We live in a civilization of evil. We... We want to preserve this integrity of our Catholic faith, hope, and charity in the midst of this evil, not to have it sucked away or, or evaporated by bad example or by false philosophies, but to be strong-minded in the Gospels, to review and to um, enhance this knowledge to a greater realization what the issues are. We are dealing with evil spirits, not just with evil people. And we need a good spirit in order to combat the evil spirit and to be with good people to reinforce our goodness under God with faith, hope, and charity, giving life to all of us, giving light to all of us so we can see with the sight of God, with the anticipated beatific vision. Now, one who relies on his own powers, on his friends, or on earthly things like money, more than on God, commits presumption. So who of us is not maybe somewhat guilty of this. Oh, I've got a good bank account, I'm pretty secure. Or I've got a lot of provisions. Uh, In one minute, you can be struck down with an illness. And all your preparations are of no avail. An earthquake strikes and suddenly everything's different. You've lost the possessions. That was once a beautiful home, uh, a good business, all wiped out in a moment. So uh, we have to be careful that we don't rely on these things around us. We use them, but God is our rock, and he is the provider, and he is the one whom we adore above all other things. So if he gives, that we appreciate it. If he takes away, we appreciate it, and we accept our limitations. If God takes it away, he knows, and he has a good purpose behind it, and you trust him. That's hope. And you accept it, and acceptance brings peace, brings focus and effectiveness and it produces the works of charity the Lord gives the Lord takes away blessed be the name of the Lord that's the kind of humility and acceptance that is the living reflection of this charity the light of God that we need to see by as human beings not with human reason but with divine reason (coughs) thus he puts his hope on strange gods anything love for its own sake is is an idol remember that and if we appreciate the things that God gives us rich or poor it's the gift of God and we love the God of gifts rather than the gifts of God so we don't turn it around such hope is purely human not supernatural, heavenly or Christian so we've got to watch about that humanness though we are human God has elevated us beyond the human and if we remain and seek only the human then we have diminished the powers that are available to us And human reason is not enough. Human power is not enough. We will never solve our problems without divine help and grace and enlightenment. Now such hope, then, that we're talking about, human hope, is built on sand, as how many have found out to their distress. Peter thought he was strong and denied his Lord. It is good to confide in the Lord rather than to have confidence in man. Read the Psalms. They are beautiful expressions of these basic ideas. The Lord is my sword, my shield, my foundation, my rock, the Lord. And not any other thing. And if you really believe and live this way, then you will not be attached to material things or pleasures or human respect of what people think. You'll do it because this is what God says and what he thinks is the important thing. It is this human kind of hope, this presumption that causes one to expose himself to occasions of sin in his belief that one has the strength to resist. Pride goes before a fall. When you think you're strongest, you are perhaps at your weakest, just as it's always darkest before dawn, so maybe when you seem most secure is when you are least secure. Things turn around. Follow not thy strength, the desires of thy heart, and say not, How mighty am I? And this is from the book of Ecclesiasticus in the Old Testament. Beautiful books should be read, thought about, pondered, and reflected upon, and measured against your daily activities and thoughts. It is presumption to commit sin boldly, pleading that God easily pardons sinners. God will forgive me. Well, this is what Faustus thought when he sold his soul to the devil. He'd come back again to God and fool the devil. But he lost the ability to be sorry. He became inverted and could not find his way back to God. He was presumptuous. Our confidence in God's mercy must always go hand in hand with our knowledge of God's justice. You know, He will give you what you want. You want virtue? You will proceed to have virtue you want vice you will proceed to have vice but you have the consequences of either one one leads to life the other leads to death so be careful what you ask for you may just get it so don't just ask for money but with also the spirit of poverty to use that wealth if god so gives it to you and if he denies it you you still have that spirit of poverty that is the real richness of your spirituality in this way, even while we trust in our merciful Father, we have a salutary fear of His judgments. God wishes us to work out our salvation in fear and trembling, as St. Paul tells us. So he wasn't confident he was saved. Said, "I have nothing on my conscience, but I am not thereby justified. I can't justify myself. It is there is one who, just, who, who judges me, and that is the Lord. And that's true of all of us. So in fear and trembling, we give our very best. Hope." being that it is sufficient to get us to eternal salvation. Nobody can be absolutely sure that he is saved from hell, that he will persevere in justice until death. It may be calm now, but the storm is yet to come, and when it comes, are you ready for it? Have you made provision for it? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. What happened to Solomon? With all his wisdom... And begings, or blessings God rained on him. He fell away from God into idolatry. The very first commandment, thou shalt not. Let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall, Saint Paul tells us. Unless you repent, you will all perish in the same manner. So we have the examples from scripture. Don't think that we're sitting as spectators on the scene that goes on in history that it's not going to also come to our turn to play a part in the scene we must not tempt God by exposing ourselves to sin and his occasions in the hope that God will protect and save us God is merciful okay so I'll live these years in sin and then I'll come back again to God go by this rule as a man lives so shall he die so if you live in sin you will die in sin if you live in virtue you will die in virtue So do not presume on God's mercy. Don't make a mockery of this. God is not played around with. We can be sure of God's help only if we try our best to do his will, to receive that light that reflects and is used to see so that we can guide ourselves by it. But if we turn God off, we may think we see, but we're blind. And we see only in part. He that loveth danger shall perish in it. Another quotation from the book of Ecclesiasticus, the Old Testament. The greatest saints took as their watchword regarding sin, safety in flight. To run. In fact, that's the only advice ever given in scripture about facing evil. Get away from it. Come out of her, my people. Do not be partakers in their idolatry or in their sinfulness. Leave. When you see these things, do not go down to catch a coat. Run to the hills. Flee. Get away. And so we will survive. Safety in flight. Lo- flight from all occasions that might tempt them to sin. So we watch modesty of the eyes. We just don't look at dirty things or wicked things. We guard our senses. That this will not come into our souls through our minds. We guard our ears. Don't just be. uh, itchy for idle gossip. It may get your curiosity and waste time and lead you into bad examples because of this curiosity. However, those who by their profession or necessity are compelled to expose themselves to even proximate occasions of sin must humbly put their trust in God. He will surely protect them if it's necessary. So be honest as to whether or not this occasion is important enough with God's grace in your prayers to protect you from the temptations that are built into the occupation or occasion for example education college and whatnot to uh, preserve yourself from falling into these uh, sins that temptation can engender now it is presumption to expect to be saved by faith alone now what is the basic Protestant theology faith alone saves you If you have faith no matter what you do you're going to be saved I know I'm saved. How often you hear that? We're warned against that. And yet, this is the sin of presumption that is built into Protestantism. You're going to be saved. Absolutely, just have faith. Christ covers you over. No matter what you do, there's a blanket that saves you of his grace and mercy. Well, that that's nice. It's possible, but it isn't the reality. We have to listen. What did Christ say? without attempting to accomplish good works, to hope to attain the forgiveness of our sins without penance, or while hoping in God's mercy to remain in the state of sin and put off conversion. Remember that our Lord said clearly, seek first the kingdom of God and his justice, and all these things shall be given you besides. That can be misinterpreted, too. To seek means not only to seek idly, but to accomplish this, to have it, to look into the mirror that's shining the reflection back because of God's light. Otherwise, you're in darkness without knowing it. When does a a person sin by despair? A person sins by despair when he deliberately refuses to trust that God will give him the necessary help to save his soul. I'll never forget the person who told me, I know I'm damned. The sins of my young years were so many and so wicked that God will never forgive me. I know I'm going to go to hell. Therefore, whatever I do doesn't bother me. No fear, because I'm already damned. That's a terrible state of despair and loss of faith. Despair is an abandonment of all hope for attaining eternal salvation and the means of attaining it. Despair is wicked because it is a denial of the goodness of God and his willingness to forgive us. God says, if your sins be red as scarlet, I will make them white as snow. If they be as numberless as the sands of the sea, I will forgive, says the Lord. That says the Lord means by his own name. He promises. He will give you this forgiveness. If you are sorry, repent and change. Your sins will be forgotten. That's a wonderful, most uh, overwhelming thought. And we in the creed, in our Apostles' Creed, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Not that God is going to hold it against us, but for God in the whiteness of God's grace through his Son, his mercy, his forgiveness, his power. But if we attach ourselves to the sin, then we attach ourselves to darkness, and his grace cannot enlighten us or give us sight. Cain was guilty of this sin when he cried out after murdering his brother Abel, my sin is too great to be forgiven. He is guilty of despair who believes he cannot resist certain temptations, overcome certain sins, or amend his life. I sometimes get that. Oh, I, I can't. It, it's just impossible for me to overcome this or that sin. That's despair. The mercy of God and the power of God is enough, sufficient. Even though it's low, it's enough. You may have only a candle, but it's enough. Better than no light at all. But if you have floodlights, so much the better, of course. But you can see by the light of God's grace no matter where you are in your spiritual life development or loss of it despair results in temporal as well as spiritual evil because often those in despair commit suicide as judas did take saint peter an apostle who denied our lord judas betrayed our lord judas despaired peter was sorry he went out and wept bitterly and god took him back and made him a pope the first pope so even sinners can be reinstated and are wiser because of the experience with the humility that this experience teaches us. So we grow. When tempted to despair, let us remember that God is infinitely merciful. We don't presume on that, but we know it is a reality, it's a truth. That he is nearest when we need him, uh, uh, the greatest, and that there is no sin that he will not forgive if we go to him with a repentant heart one unforgivable sin which is not being sorry despair is that that leads to impenitence but if we're sorry i will forgive says the lord if we're sorry so we must make that a reality not just lip service or a hope to avoid sin we may ponder on god's justice and the fear of god but once we have fallen into sin let us meditate on his infinite mercy so when we're in the state of grace remember his justice and when we are in the state of sin should that ever happen then we reflect upon his mercy let us remember that God is the good shepherd who goes out to seek his sheep that have fallen along the thorns among the thorns of life St. John Chrysostom says as a spark is to the ocean so is the wickedness of man compared to the mercy of God his mercy is greater than all the wickedness of men put together finally what are the chief sins against charity the chief sins against charity are hatred of God that's blasphemy the worst sin of of all and of our neighbor uh, hatred of our neighbor so he who says Raka is guilty of this sin of murder who hates his neighbor then sloth laziness envy and scandal these are the main sins against charity without charity faith and hope will profit us nothing if I give my body to be burned if I give all that I possess it profits me nothing if I have not charity for God will not open the gates of his kingdom except to those that love him who reflect and who are light children of light not just darkness or halfway but fully fully of light growing in that light if I should speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have charity, I've become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal, just an empty sound that passes away. Every grave, every mortal, every serious sin is a violation of charity because it destroys the love of God. It's that darkness that descends upon everything, turns it all off. So I don't feel any different. I thought the heavens would fall upon me, that the earth would open and swallow me. And it didn't. Maybe none of this is really true, that um, I will be destroyed. And so a person then goes into sin more deeply and becomes blinder in the process until he says, I am God. I can do anything I want. And it destroys the love of God, the light of God, the power of God, God. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's the test. If you love me, keep my commandments. Hatred of God or of one's neighbor is a special offense against charity. Special. It's the greatest. By it, one desires evil or harm to befall or rejoices at the misfortune of others. Well, he finally got what he deserved. Be careful. You may be sinning against charity when you rejoice in evil that has hurt somebody, even your enemy. There is justice, and they will bring down upon themselves fire from heaven. But we don't produce that. The justice of man does not work the justice of God, as God Himself says, "I will repay." Says the Lord, who wills not the death of a sinner, but that he be converted and live. And that's the kind of heart we should have. To see a person sinning, we don't scandalize. We want to help that person stop sinning. All of us can sin. Any of us. But we want a helping hand, an opening of the mind, a, an encouragement to leave the way against God, around back again towards God. It's the same road, only the direction just turned around. To desire death from a yearning for heaven in order to be reunited, to be reunited with God is not wrong. The apostle Paul himself said, who shall deliver me from the body of this death on earth? I am desiring to depart and to be with Christ. Uh, that's not escaping this earth, but a love of God that draws you to him. Now, it could be an escape, but it could also be a drawing because of love of God, that he inspires and calls us to be one with him. But in desire, death out of impatience or despair, or to wish death or misfortune to another not out of will, wi- Uh, out of selfishness or hatred is sinful Uh, I may want to get rid of some terrible thing in life I don't want to suffer cancer so I want to die or I'll take steps to terminate my life that is against the providence of God the will of God the uh, grace of God to take matters into your own hands When God knows why, the purification process is necessary for you to grow rather than to lose what he offers you. Grave sin. Okay, secondly, sloth. Sloth is a sin against charity because it paralyzes the faculties of the soul. I'd rather be left alone. Don't bother me. I don't want to pray. I don't want to go to mass. I don't want to go to confession. Uh, I just want to be let alone and uh, enjoy life or be comfortable and uh, not bothered by having to do all these things necessary for my salvation to avoid occasions of sin. One who is ruled by sloth is too lazy to love God or his neighbor because such love or zeal takes trouble. Now, some have handicaps, physical handicaps. chemistry of the body sometimes holds us down, makes us weak and uh, gives us a sluggish reaction we have to recognize that this is a handicap but not impossible we can still pray we can still do works of mercy, maybe not the greatest, not the most flashy but it's still to have a direction and it's the attitude that is important rather than the accomplishment sloth begets stupidity that's um, lukewarmness and indifference. Someone has said with truth that a great sinner may become a great saint, but a slothful person never. He just is occupying space and doing nothing. En- get envy. One is guilty of envy if one is bitter about another's good fortune considering such as a detraction from one's own well-being he got more than I did children argue about portions of dessert or candy or gifts or toys Uh, we have to be willing to share and to let the person that has have what he has but be responsible also because that can be a booby trap that you are not taking care of what God has given you and you'll be held accountable an envious man is sour against good, against the good and holy, wishing he had their attainments without taking uh, any steps to improve himself. He wants it all free. Be careful of freebies; they cost more than working for what you get. Envy is the sin of the devil, the sin above all that implies malice, the sin that leads to calumny, gossip, hatred, and other sins. The best means of overcoming envy is to do every good possible to our neighbor, especially to the one that we are tempted to envy. Go out of your way to be kind, to be good, to be generous. There is no reason for envy. It will not make us any richer, more popular, or more satisfied. Satan envied Adam and Eve. You know, Satan can't have any children. It's a limitation. So he wants all the children he can get of human beings, and that's why he works among us. But he envied Adam and Eve because they had a power he didn't have. And they were happy in paradise and he was outside the gates. The Pharisees envied Jesus Christ, the wonderful miracles he worked, and his consequent great following. They hated this. If we don't get rid of him, everybody will be following him. And finally, scandal. Scandal is given when we injure our neighbor's soul by causing or tempting him to sin. Actively leading him into sin. And remember, participating in another sin is part of this scandal. As charity helps him towards heaven, so scandal pushes him towards hell. Our Lord said at the end of the world, the angels will gather out of his kingdom all scandals and cast them into the furnace of fire where there will be the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. So these are the rules of the game. We don't make them up. But we better know what they are, we better understand them correctly, and then, with God's light, see them and follow them accordingly, so that our faith, hope, and charity will increase, and thereby the activities of our charity and the works of of (coughs) mercy, corporal and spiritual works, will be the marks by which God will judge us. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. When I was sick, (coughs) you nursed me. All these things will be the means of judgment because of charity, that is living and active in your life. So keep that first commandment of God above all the others. It's the most important. It's all embracing. and we can see the details of how it shows us a way of life to seek first the kingdom of God in his justice, that all other things in life will fall relatively into their places and provide the basis of strength to serving God even better as we grow more clearly in our eyesight and faith, hope, and charity to see and do the works of God. And it is these They will save us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.